the anchor of the soul, with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. One of the things that comes to my mind as I think about the holiday season is the fact that for many of us, it's a great opportunity to go home. Sometimes we talk about home for the holidays, and there's no place like home. It really doesn't matter where you come from. Home is a special place. As I think about the opportunity to be home for the holidays, there's a sense in which as we close out the new year and as we come face to face with the holiday season, there's a lot to be said for being home before the holidays. When I talk about being home before the holidays, what I'm really emphasizing is the importance of being home with God, of being right with God before the holiday season. I want us to look at a very well-known passage of scripture, Luke chapter 15. The story is told of a young son that went into a far country, separated himself from family and friends, wasted everything that had been entrusted into his possession, and then the Bible says, came to himself and decided it's time to go home. As we think about home before the, the holidays, I want to begin today by talking about this important truth. If you decide to come home before the holidays, you're gonna find a father who loves you. Sometimes we talk about the goodness of God and the goodness of our heavenly father. In Luke 15, beginning in verse 11, we have the request of the younger son. Jesus said a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Somewhat of a strange and unusual request to want an inheritance before someone passes. And so as we think about the boy who chose to leave home, he makes his request. Unfortunately, things don't necessarily turn out as he had envisioned. And so what we find in Jesus' narration of this particular parable is that the young son follows what I would call a ruinous course. Whenever we leave home, typically we leave home with great expectations. I have no doubt in my mind that this young son 
had tremendous expectations of joy and happiness and peace and good times. And yet what he found was quite the opposite. And so listen as Jesus continues. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and there journeyed to a far country. I think about his walk into that far country, leaving behind the safety of home, the love that he had enjoyed at home. Jesus said there he wasted his possessions or his substance with prodigal or wasteful living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. So the bright lights of the city and the good times don't necessarily come. Or maybe he enjoyed some good times for a brief period of time. But the bottom line is the story doesn't end as he had expected. And so this boy that has chosen to leave home now begins to long for home. Listen to what is said in verse 17. I think about a young fellow out in a far country separated from family and friends and from things that he's been so acquainted with or used to in days gone by. And so, and so he starts reflecting he begins to think about the home that he left. Here's what Jesus said in verse 17. But when he came to himself. You ever tried to talk to somebody and you have repeatedly talked to them about the same thing over and over and over again? And for whatever reason, it's as if there is a disconnect. I remember what it was like to be a teenager. And I can well remember my folks telling me certain things. And sometimes there was a disconnect. Sometimes we have to learn the hard way. And so here's a young fellow. He's out in a far country, a remote place. And the Bible says he came to himself. There's no way that you can ever help anyone until he or she comes to his or her senses. I suspect that this father could have pleaded with his son, that he could have talked to him about the dangers and the allurements, attractions, pleasures of the world, things that may seem so innocent and yet underneath that facade, heartache, sorrow, problems. Do you remember what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6? 
Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Here is a young fellow that's gone out into a far country. He's wasted everything. And now as we say, the rooster has come home to roost. And so he comes to himself. Paul talks about those who have left the Lord in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And he said, the desire is that they might come to themselves. Well, this young fella came to himself. There are a couple of things I want you to consider very quickly along these lines. The circumstances of this son brought clarity to his life. There are times in life when people, for whatever reason, have to experience the very worst to understand the possibilities of the very best. Sometimes it takes hardship and trial, mistakes, errors in judgment, before we can see with clarity what's right. There have been some of us that have pleaded with people in days gone by, don't take this course, don't do that, don't do that. The reason is because if you do that, you're going to pay a heavy price. And there are individuals that make the choices. They engage in behavior that is out of harmony, out of step with the will of God, and they pay a heavy price. And so as a result of that, there is a sense of clarity that comes to life or to their mind's eye. Not only did his circumstances bring clarity to his life, but they brought contrition to his life. In other words, a penitent heart. Listen, if you would, to what Jesus said. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so, based on where he is in life, he recognizes, you know what? I've made a foolish mistake in my life. It's time to go home and to be honest and candid about where I've been. It's time to go home and acknowledge to my father, I've done wrong. I want you to think for a moment or two about the reunion. As we think about this boy that longed for home, Jesus said that he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion on him, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I think about the longing of the father. There's something to be said about parents that want the best for their children. I remember when I was a teenager 
I can remember my mother telling me in the wee hours of the night she would stand at the door and look, watching and waiting for me to come home. I'm sure there were many occasions when my dad wondered, when's he coming home? Here's a father that no doubt longed for that son. The Bible says that God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. In 1 Timothy 2, 4. Peter would say in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The longing of the heart of God is he wants you to be at home with him. And he wants you to be at home with him today. But then I also think about the love of the Father Expressed in verse 20 when Jesus said, when the father saw him, he had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The tenderness of that embrace. The longing heart. The loving father. The reunion that took place. Let me tell you what. Don't ever think that your Father in heaven does not love you. There are some folks in our world today, and sometimes there are people in the church, that have the mistaken notion that God loves them if they're good, but if they're not good, if they're not doing what's right, then it doesn't love them. Paul said, while we were yet without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. He would say in verse 8, God commendeth his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When did Christ die for us? When did God demonstrate his love for us? When we were sinners. Now does God love us as saints? Yes, he does. But he loves the sinner. That's why he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That great golden text of the Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. To know that God loves us. So here was a father that longed for his son and that loved his son. I want you to leave today knowing that there is a father in heaven that loves you and that has done everything to save you at the expense of his only begotten son. Paul said, he that spared not his own son but freely gave him up for us all. That's what God did for us. There's a second thing I want you to see in our study today. If you choose to come home before the holidays, there is forgiveness that will liberate you. As I look at the lesson text, I find that this boy was met 
by a gracious father. Look again at verse 20. In verse 20, the Bible says, He arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Here is the repentance of the son. I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. You know, sin will bring about humility. When we, when we engage in behavior that is unbecoming of Christianity, when we live a life of rebellion, what we come to understand is that ultimately our sin is against God. In that great penitential psalm in Psalm 51, David poured out his heart to Almighty God. And he said, against you and you only have I sinned and done this great wickedness. Here's a young son, he realizes, look, I have messed up beyond words. You ever been there? You ever made mistakes that you wish you could take back? You ever said things you wish you had never said? You ever done things you wish you had never done? Many of us have. And so the remedy is to come clean, to acknowledge. You see, there was awareness on the part of this young fella, and there was admission. But note the restoration. Here's what the father said in verse 22. Bring out the best robe and put, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead. From a spiritual standpoint, this fellow was raised from the death of sin. You need to understand that. When you go out into a far country of sin, there is alienation, separation, spiritual death. Paul said the wages of sin is death. In Ephesians 2, verse 1, Paul said, And you has he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Which gives me insight into what Jesus is saying here. Here's this father that's gotten his son back home safe and sound, and he said, Look, he was dead, but now he's alive. And then look also at what he says He was lost and is found. Not only was this son raised from the death of sin, but he was reclaimed from the desolation of sin. In verses 8 through 10, Jesus tells a parable. The parable of the lost coin. A woman loses a coin and she seeks that coin diligently. 
And so down in verse 9, after having found it, she said, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Here's a son that was dead, but now is alive. He was lost, and Jesus said, He's found. He's back home. No place like home. If you've ever been out in that far country and come home, you know what I'm talking about. You know what it means to be dead but now alive. You know what it means to be lost and now found. That's where this fellow was in life. There's a third thing I want you to see. And that is there is fellowship that will lift you. The joy of being back home. Listen again to what Jesus said beginning in verse 22. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. We talk about how fellowship is such a great blessing. With respect to our family, there is a tie that binds us together. I understand the spiritual tie that binds us together as members of the family of God. And then biologically we talk about that tie that binds us together as a family unit. A mama and a daddy and children and grandparents and brothers and sisters and all of that. But this young son was first and foremost back in fellowship with his father. Did he disappoint his father? Yes, he did. Do you think his father hurt over the fact that his son had left home? Yes, he did. Do you think he longed for him? I believe he did. Did he love him? Yes, he did. But now he's back in fellowship. I can just imagine that proud father saying, this my son was dead, but he's alive. He was lost and he's found. He's back home. He's where he ought to be. He's where he needs to be. Why? Because there is safety. There is love. There is fellowship. Right here at home. Not only was he back in fellowship with his father, but he was back in fellowship with his family. Again, verse 22, the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Note the emphasis on they. We know he had another brother. And you can read on about this older son. The older son was upset at what his father had done. And that's a whole nother lesson. But this young fella is now back in fellowship with his family. His father is a part of the family. 
We talk about a mama, sisters, grandparents, aunts, uncles, whomever. Servants in the household. He's back home. There is no place like home. No place like home on this earth. There is no place like being home before the holidays. I want you to think about this for a minute. We are about to embark on a period that is typically defined as the end of the year. With the end of the year comes a lot of festivities, a lot of holidays. I don't know where you are spiritually, but I know this, in all probability, you're planning to be at home with your family members for the holidays. But I want to ask you this question. Are you home spiritually? Are you at home today? Did you know that you can come home today? That you can come home before the holidays? Let me tell you what. You want to start this week with a bang? You want to go home today and feel a sense of peace and happiness and joy and contentment? Do you want to go home today with the burden of guilt gone? You can do that. Here's what you need to do. Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, you'll die in your sins. The Lord wants you to come to understand that he is exactly who he claimed to be, the Son of God. And then what you need to do is repent, just like that prodigal did until long ago. To realize where you are in this life. Jesus said, except you repent, you'll perish. And then there's a third thing that you can do, and that is you can confess with your mouth the greatest name, Jesus Christ. The Bible says then you can be immersed in a watery grave of baptism. The beauty of that is every sin, all sin, will be washed away. Listen, if you would, to what the Hebrew writer said about the covenant under which we live. He said, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. You can be home with God and all of that dirty past and all of the mistakes and all the problems that, that you got yourself into, spiritually speaking, can be gone today if you'll come to Christ. Maybe you, like the prodigal, have been living like a prodigal. Maybe you've wasted some years in your life in that far country of sin. What you need to understand is God wants you home. He wants you home today. 
The Bible says today is the day of salvation in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. But only you can make that choice. It may be the case that you're going home for the holidays. Why not come home before the holidays? Come home to a loving God who will abundantly pardon. Here's what John said. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again and to see video archives, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life When the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the strong tides lift and the cables strain Will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. We hope you've enjoyed the Anchor the Soul radio broadcast. Our worship services at the Olive Branch Church of Christ begin at 10 a.m. each Sunday morning. Our Sunday evening service starts at 6 p.m. If you're in the Olive Branch area, we would love to have you visit with us. Please visit our website for additional details. It's www.olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Join us again next Sunday morning on this station for the Anchor of the Soul.